You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to preview this Sunday's big game between the Eagles and the Tennessee Titans at Lincoln Financial Field with Jimmy Morris. He's the editor-in-chief for the SB Nation Titans site, Music City Miracles. So we're going to talk to him about what's been going on with Tennessee this year. A very Titans-like season, I think, they've been having uh, as they come into this week 7-4. and four. With the AFC South seemingly well in hand, a uh, three-game, four-game lead, I think, now on the Indianapolis Colts, thanks to a tiebreaker having beaten them twice this year. So the Titans in prime position uh, to host a playoff game, and it's just a matter of not whether they can climb up and challenge the Bills or Chiefs for the one seed. Beating the Eagles on Sunday would be would go would take a big step in that direction, but obviously a big challenge for Tennessee and a big challenge for the Eagles as they are going to face a very tough defense this Sunday afternoon. Of course, the big storyline, A.J. Brown getting to play his old team. That's the big storyline in Tennessee anyway. And of course, Derrick Henry coming to Philadelphia. How will the Eagles run defense and how will the Eagles special teams bounce back after a shaky performance against Green Bay last Sunday, uh, last, uh, Sunday night? It was, yes. So uh, the Eagles getting ready to take on a Titans team uh, that uh, lost last week to the Cincinnati Bengals 24-20. to uh, but they currently hold the number three seed in the AFC, holding a tiebreaker over the Ravens right now. So we're going to talk to Jimmy in uh, just a couple minutes about that. Let me give a quick plug to BleedingGreenNation.com, of course, uh, for all the latest news, information, and rumors about the Philadelphia Eagles as we get ready for this Sunday. And don't forget to check out all the other podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Leave a five-star rating and a review for us while you're there at Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind. And uh, I'll read your review of Eye on the Enemy if you uh, are able to leave one on Apple Podcasts. Love to hear what you think about this podcast in particular. Uh, so if you have a couple of minutes and you haven't done so, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, podcasts, not podcasts. I've got Thanksgiving on the brain still, apparently. <laughs> uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, not Apple Podcasts, and uh, leave a, a review for Eye on the Enemy specifically. Let me know what you think of the show, and I'll read it on the show next week. Well, this is one of the marquee games of the weekend. This Eagles Titans clash There's a bunch of great games on the weeks uh, on this week's schedule. But uh, this is certainly one of them. A big test for the Titans, really probably their biggest test of the season. And for the Eagles, uh, a game they're favored to win, but maybe their toughest defensive opponent of the year so far. I maybe only the Cowboys would would come close. But uh, joining me to help break down this game between the Eagles and Titans on Sunday afternoon is Jimmy Morris. He's editor in chief for the SB Nation Titans site Music City Miracles. He's also uh, a host for MCM Radio, the MCM Radio podcast, uh, one of the Music City Miracle podcasts over there. Follow him on Twitter at jmorrismcm. Jimmy, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. 
It's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's been an interesting season for Tennessee so far. Seven and four here in the early start. Uh, well, I guess it's not even the early start of the season at this point. Um, first in the AFC South, a comfortable lead over the Colts at four, seven, and one. Kind of feels like, does it seem like to you like the season's a little bit on cruise control for you guys, seeing as how it's unlikely anybody beneath you in the standings is going to catch you all in the AFC South? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's been... Really, since the Titans beat the Colts the second time, um, we've already they've already finished their you know season with against the Colts. Uh, it really felt like that they were going to win the division. Uh, that's kind of been a foregone conclusion since that point. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a little bit. I mean, and they, you know, I mean, they're, obviously there's still seeding stuff, but with the, well, I guess the Dolphins, it's the Chiefs as a one seed in the AFC. The Dolphins, I think, are currently second, but Dolphins the Bills. Uh, you know, whoever wins that division is probably going to get that two seed. The Titans have lost the, to the Chiefs and the Bills. And not that I, I think the Chiefs – I mean, the Titans should be in that conversation anyway. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not they're going to be the three or the four, host a playoff game, you know, kind of see how it goes from there. But, yeah, so a little bit that – you know, it's it's just been kind of marking off the games that they should win in front of them and then seeing how they can compete against the teams that, you know, are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. It's funny, when you go into a season, you have a preconceived idea of some teams in your mind. And and when you go into a season and you think of the Tennessee Titans, you think it's not going to be a super explosive offense, but they're going to they're gonna churn up a lot of yards on the ground. They're going to play really good defense. Uh, they're going to play in a lot of tight games. And as I'm looking down the, the schedule, and I, I was watching some of your last couple of games, including last week's loss to the Bengals, it was it's kind of seemed exactly, it was very Titans-esque. You know, for someone who doesn't get to watch a lot of Titans, it felt it looked exactly like I expected it to look, having you know watched some of the game film back. And so, has this season gone pretty much as as you all expected? Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, just kind of trying to keep the offense going here while the defense does its does its thing. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you would be surprised about if you were you know kind of to step back and think about what we thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year. Um, the, the biggest thing has been the fact that Taylor, Taylor Lewan got hurt in week two in Buffalo. And so the offensive line that I don't think we thought it was going to be necessarily a strength of this team, but we didn't think it would be a huge weakness. Um, has, that has turned out to be a huge weakness for the team. So that, that's kind of been the biggest, I guess, surprise there. Um, you know, Derrick Henry hasn't been able to get going the last three games. So that's a little bit of a surprise slash possible concern. Uh, a few things like that. But, yeah, for me, for the most part, they've struggled with injuries. But, I mean, I think if at the beginning of the year you said that you gave a 7-4 and four, uh, with, with what they had in front of them. And, and, you know, some teams are different than what we expected, right? I mean, the Broncos are not what we thought the Broncos were going to be. Titans right. beat them anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we'd all been, yeah, 7-4 and four is about right. I mean, I thought coming into the season this was a 10 or 11 win team. Um, and they can certainly still do that, maybe do a little bit better than that. But I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, this team ends up 10 and 7, 11 and 6, something like that. Yeah, so um, so 19 points per game so far this year for the Titans. That's 26th in the NFL. Uh, the Really, it's the, the passing game. And one of the big storylines coming into this contest is going to be A.J. Brown playing against his old team. 
Uh, the Titans never really have gotten a chance to replace him just yet. Uh, they obviously went and got Traylon Burks uh, with the pit, with one of the picks that they used to acquire A.J. Brown. But uh, Robert Woods leads the team with 353 yards through the air. You've got Nick Westbrook, Akini at 343. Burks is 334. Tight end Austin Hooper, 257. I mean, it, I imagine the passing game has been a little bit of a, of a, of a slog with, uh, with Ryan Tannehill, not the most dynamic of quarterbacks, certainly a, a decent quarterback, a, a, a good quarterback. You can win with Ryan Tannehill, but uh, what are his options like at, at wide receiver right now with, with A.J. Brown not there? How, how big an absence ha- has A.J. Brown been from that team? Well, I mean, it's been huge. You know, you don't – it's hard to give up number one receivers, and especially number one receivers who are still on their rookie contracts. But, I mean, that whole thing happened, and, you know, that, that's that's done. Uh, but, I mean, they certainly miss him. I mean, you, you need a guy like that that you can go to uh, when you have a big third down or when you need a big play, that kind of stuff. And, and they haven't had that. Now, I will say Traylon Burks has come on. Uh, he missed four games with a, with a turf toe injury. Uh, that slowed him down, but the last three games that he that he's played in, since he came back from that injury, um, he's he's played well in those games, and it's starting to look like a guy that they can count on uh, to make some of those types of plays. Certainly not AJ Brown yet, but you know you hope that eventually he can kind of replace that production that they're missing there. Um, but I mean, look, Robert Woods, I think is still a, a good player. Um, I don't think he's the player that he was a couple of years ago. Nick Westbrook Akine is is fine if he's your three or four. He's been there two. Uh, for, for a lot of the season, that's a problem. So, I mean, the combination of not having the weapons, not having people healthy on the outside, plus the bad offensive line ha- has really been why the, the passing game has struggled. And then Tannehill missed a couple games with an ankle injury. So, I mean, they, they've had all that kind of going on. So, it's just been kind of a combination of injuries that have, that have, I think, slowed it down. But even with everybody back, which, I mean, they're still – they've got a guy, Kyle Phillips, who's a rookie, who had a big game in week one but got hurt. Um, it's kind of been in, in and out since then. Um, so, you know, they, they just haven't had the guys there. Now they're starting to get a little bit more healthy, but the offensive line is just going to be a problem regardless. Uh, and so that that's kind of the thing that's going to limit this team's upside is I, I don't know how well they can hold up to sustain a passing game that they're going to need, especially when teams are keying in and being able to stop Derrick Henry. Well, Derrick Henry is is obviously the the guy that Eagles fans are terrified of right now. We uh, the Eagles fans uh, are well aware of the issues. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense has had stopping the run. They've brought in some uh, some replace you know, some some fill in guys. We're getting uh, getting Linval Joseph in here and Dominican Sue in the defensive tackle spot while Jordan Davis is out. Uh, it looks like Jordan Davis could play this weekend. As of this recording, we we don't know for sure if Jordan Davis is going to play. If he does, he's not going to get his his normal snap count. But nevertheless, uh, his addition would certainly be helpful in order to try and slow down Derrick Henry and 1,048 yards already this season and 10 touchdowns. He's, uh, he's averaging 95.3 yards per game. But uh, like you mentioned, he, he has, he hasn't been quite as effective uh, the last few weeks as, as he was earlier in the season is the, are the offensive lines issues right now? Is it more, what kind of issues are, are the offensive line is the offensive line having in terms of opening up holes for Derrick Henry because he's so big, he doesn't need he doesn't need a lot of help, right? I mean, he, right. he's he's still a pretty dynamic runner, and I got to imagine that's that is if you're looking at advantages for the Tennessee offense in this game, it's running Derrick Henry at this defensive at this uh, run defense. Yeah, so I mean, the problem with the offensive line has really been the fact that Dennis Daly, who's playing left tackle, is really really bad, and I they I mean, I guess they just don't have anybody that they feel like can do better than him. 
um, which, which seems like a problem. But run blocking, before the last few weeks, they've been okay. Now, the last two games, Ben Jones has been out. So when Ben Jones is out, they're forced to move Aaron Brewer, who plays usually plays left guard to center, and bring in Dylan Radins, who was a second-round pick that was supposed to be a tackle two years ago, but apparently he's bad too. So, um, But, I mean, he plays guard when Brewers plays. And so, I mean, it's been a little bit of a mixture. We're hoping that Ben Jones is back this week. He's been in concussion protocol, but he got that concussion two weeks ago. So, okay. hopefully, um, that was in the game. Yeah, yeah, because it was the game before the Packers game. So, we, we figured he wouldn't be cleared because the Packers game was a Thursday night, so the short week there, you know, figured it would be cleared there. Really thought he'd be back this past Sunday, but he wasn't. Um, so, I mean, getting him back will help. And, you know, part of it is just teams are loading up, uh, you know, to stop Derrick Henry, and that's not anything new. I mean, teams always do that, but when you're not as good up front, it, it, it makes it harder to get him going like that. And so that's just been kind of the deal. And they need to do something in the passing game to make teams respect the fact they can throw the ball. And, I mean, I think that, you know, listen, Derrick Henry is is still a great player. Um, you know, I, it, it seems like maybe at times he's lost like half a step because there have been a, there have been a couple of runs this year where he's gotten caught from behind, and that used to never happen. Now, he got up to almost 21 miles an hour, you know, with his next-gen stats on the screen pass right. he took last week. Yeah. But, I mean, he's still really fast, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just the, the whole combination of things. Just They've got to get – the whole offense as a whole going, and then I think all that will help. And, you know, I, like I said, I just – we need to see something in a passing game to, to get teams to loosen up a little bit up front. Then I think you can get back to the Derrick Henry thing. Then play action starts working. I mean, I know statistics say you don't you, – that you don't have to have an effective run game for play action to work, but I, I can't imagine that it's not a little bit more of a threat um, when the run game is actually going well. So that, that, that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, I think that's counterintuitive, frankly. I mean, the whole reason you do play action passes is because you suspect right. that they might hand the ball off and you, you suck in the defensive backs a little bit. Uh, I was reading today that it does look, that Jones was a full participant at practice on Wednesday. So that yeah. sure, it sure seems like he's trending towards playing on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, I want to talk, I want to double back on, on the AJ Brown storyline just a little bit. Is this something that's dominating the coverage in in Tennessee and in Nashville uh, leading up to this game? Like, are the are the players talking a lot about this? Are the fans talking a lot about this? How how big how much revenge do Titans fans want to get on AJ Brown here? Is there is there any any sense of that? So okay, going all the way back to to draft night, right? Um, you know, people here loved AJ Brown. Okay, and part of that is because the Titans have been, I mean. It, their ability to pick receivers, whether it be in the draft, free agency, whatever, is abysmal. Like, I mean, they have not drafted and developed a receiver. Derek Mason was the last yeah. one. Um, you know, that was in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and, like, it, it's been that bad. They've signed free agents. They haven't worked out. They, we've had draft picks that have come in, and we've been excited about them in camp. And then it, 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 it just flounders out. I mean, honestly, outside of – outside of Derek Mason, A.J. Brown, and Derek Mason was drafted by the Oilers. He wasn't even drafted by the Titans. But um, outside of those two guys, I mean, Drew Bennett is probably the third best guy that the Titans have have brought in and developed, and he was an undrafted guy that was a quarterback in college. So um, it, it's been really bad. So when when the when the trade happens on draft night, we're, we're all just blown away. Like, what in the world happened here? Yeah, us you too. Know, there, there was, a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of like AJ Brown talking about how much he loved Mike Frable at the end of the year last year. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff going on. 
you see Vrabel walking out of the war room and he's pissed after the whole thing goes down. I mean, so there was a lot of confusion around it. Okay. And then it turns out that basically AJ Brown stopped, basically said, I want to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. I want to go play with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles and, and basically just cut off communication with the Titans. So I guess at that point, general manager John Robinson felt like he had no choice but to trade him. All right. So I, I think if you could get John Robinson to be honest at this point, he would say it was a terrible mistake and that if he had to do all over again, he would not. Okay. But when it all goes down, fans are mad at the organization because they're cheap. They don't want to pay to this guy. Then when the news comes out that he wanted to be the highest paid guy, he stopped talking to him. It kind of shifted toward the, the hatred being toward A.J. Brown, or like half and half at least. But then A.J. has done himself no favors by running his mouth at different times. Like, you're in the Chiefs game a couple of times. He, it was a Sunday night game. He tweeted, nobody's open, nobody's open, you know, all, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, and so that's kind of turned the the fan base uh, against him here to, to some extent. Um, as far as the players, they were all asked about it yesterday. Uh, I mean, obviously that was going to be one of the first first things that came up. And to a man, I mean, I remember quotes from Frabel, Tannehill, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byard, all said, hey, we wish him the best. Hope he has a great season except for this week. You know, so, I mean, right. I think that's the thing. I mean, I think they still like him in the locker room. I think, again, the organization wishes that it would have gone differently than it did. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a situation we find ourselves in. And, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about it. There's going to be a lot of, you know, if, if the Titans are able to limit him on Sunday, uh, there will be a lot of fans on social media running their mouths. I have ima- I imagine he will have some things to say if he has a big game. So that, that's kind of the whole, you know, the, the long story of it all. And that's fair enough. I mean, I, I do I do know A.J. Brown has been trolling quite a bit, yeah, on social Correct. media, like, yeah. you, like you mentioned. And so uh, that will certainly do it. And, uh, you know, Eagles fans, I think, are largely ignorant of that. I haven't – we have not been talking about that a whole lot uh, over these uh, over these last few weeks. And But uh, it's it's – from what I can see, it's not a huge storyline – here in Philadelphia, which is which is kind of interesting, uh, pe- fans are more focused on winning the game as opposed to the the AJ Brown storyline here, and and really just terrified of Derrick Henry. So it's kind of interesting. One yeah. fan base is kind of thinking about this one way, then the other fan base is thinking about this uh, the other way at the moment. It's you, you view everything through your own lens and stuff. And so um, I do want to before we get over to talk about the Titans defense, um, let's talk briefly about Ryan Tannehill. Um, as I was watching the game last week, it seemed like the offense had no trouble moving between the 30s or between the 25s, but it looked like the red zone offense really started to gum up. And there were a lot of field goal attempts, and uh, it, it seemed like one, it, there was almost a, an invisible wall there as you get started to get towards the red zone. Has that been a problem all year, kind of converting when you get inside like the 25? And is, is Tan- how much culpability does Tannehill have for that? It had not been a problem all year. In fact, I think they were like seventh in red zone efficiency coming into okay. the game. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise that it didn't uh, that, that it didn't work there. You know, there was one play uh, in that game where he threw a, a pass to Chigo Conquo that went off his hands, um, and Robert Woods was wide open. If, if he'd have seen Robert Woods, it would have been a touchdown. Um, so I mean, that was that's on Ted Hill, and I, I think even Rabel said something to the extent of like the the read was Woods, and he you know wasn't sure what happened there or whatever. Um, but so, I mean, no, for the most part, Ryan Tannehill has been really good in the red zone. Ryan Tannehill, out, regular season Ryan Tannehill, we'll say, has been a fantastically efficient quarterback for this team. I mean, obviously the offense runs to Derrick Henry. Everybody knows that. But Tannehill has taken advantage of his opportunities. And, you know, last year he turned the ball over a lot, which was a, which was a big story. But part of that was because, um, you know, they, they had A.J., they signed Julio Jones, or they traded for Julio Jones, 
in the offseason. Well, Julio is, you know, a, a, a corpse of himself. And uh, A.J. missed a few games. He, he was on IR for a little bit last year. And so Tannehill didn't have anybody to throw to. And so, I mean, it was even worse, like, last year than it was this year with the guys they had out. So, I think he was forcing the thing a little bit and that kind of stuff. But generally, he's been really good in those situations. Um, and, you know, that that was a, a bit of a surprise because, like I said, um, the problem before last week had been they couldn't get to the red zone. Last week, they, they were able to get there and weren't able to score touchdowns. So, um, you know, hopefully this week they can figure both of them out. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Moving over to the defense, uh, the Titans obviously have a reputation as being a, a hard-hitting team, an aggressive team. Um, that appeared to be the case as I was uh, as I was watching some of the some of the highlights and some of the film from the last couple of weeks. Uh, but as you get ready to face an Eagles team that you know that Bengals offense is pretty prolific with Joe Burrow and all those wide receivers that they have back there. The Eagles present a different set of challenges, I would imagine. Uh, they run the ball in very different ways. They have the best offensive line in football right now. And in Jalen Hurts, you have a guy who showed that he he can throw the football and he is a very dangerous runner. He's he's uh, a, a unique a unique player to have to prepare for. So how do you anticipate the Titans defense going about shutting down this Eagles offensive attack on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, let me say, first of all, I love Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm an Alabama fan. 
could not be more happy for the success he had. You know, he stayed at Alabama when they gave the job to Tua, yeah. when most guys would have left. And they won the SEC, SEC championship game because of him, because Tua got hurt that game. Hurts came in and won that game for him against Georgia anyway. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I just think he's a good dude. I, I'm, I'm really excited for the success that he is having. Uh, with that being said, yeah, I mean, so the, the biggest problem the Titans have had this year, or in the last probably, let's say, month of the season, has been quarterbacks getting them with their legs. Um, if you go back and watch the Chiefs game, they were they did really good against against the Chiefs passing game, against the run game, but Mahomes made a couple plays with his legs, was able to escape. He picked up like a third and 15 scrambling. Yeah. Um, and then last week, Burrow did the same thing, not as like – he didn't put up huge numbers, but there were three or four different times where yep. it was third down – they had everything block, you know, locked up, and he was able to scramble and get a first down, extend the drive. So, I mean, that's obviously a big concern when you have because neither one of those guys are as good of a of runner of a runner as Jalen Hurts is, right? So, you, you have that concern there. It is different, like you said, it's a different challenge because it's more of a rushing based attack. The Titans have been really good against the run. They gave up a bunch last week, but before that, I mean, since week two, they had been like unstoppable, or the teams had not been able to run on them at all. So um, last week they got hit in the mouth a little bit, which was a little bit surprising because, like you said, the calling card of this defense, of this team, is how physical they are. And the Bengals were the more physical team on Sunday. So that was really probably the most surprising part of that game Sunday. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because, it, like you said, it's a different challenge. Um, it, it's different than what than how the Bengals or the Chiefs want, want to attack teams. Um, and so I, I don't know. We'll see. Danico Autry is a guy that has been one of their best defensive players. Um, as far as he's a good run stopper, good pass rusher as well. He's hurt. Uh, the pass rusher really suffered without him out there last week. I doubt he's going to play. He didn't price yesterday. You know, like I said, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, so it's still early in the week. But he got hurt in the Green Bay game. And, you know, when Mike Vrabel gives away basically nothing when it comes to injuries, but right. the way that he talked about uh, Autry's injury was pretty much like he's probably not going to have to go to IR but it's going to be something that's that's going to linger for a minute. So I would be surprised if Autry plays this week. I mean, I guess you never know, but I think we're looking at a two- or three-week absence here uh, from him, so I'd be surprised if he plays. And that, that really does hurt this defense um, because, like I said, he's been one of their he's – just, he's just such a versatile player and allows them to do a lot of the things that they want to do. We never really talk about special teams, but special teams has been a huge area of weakness for the Eagles this year, specifically on kick returns. Of all things in this world, when in a, in a league where no one returns kicks anymore, suddenly teams are eager to start running balls out of from seven yards deep out of the end zone against this Eagles special team. So a, a couple of questions on the special teams. One, has, has Tennessee's special teams flashed in a positive way in the return game this year? And, and number two... The kicker situation for you all is up in the air right now, isn't it? I mean, and, and in a game that I think is going to be pretty close, I think that could be a big deal. Yeah, so the kick return thing first, um, they've been whatever as a kick return unit. You know, nothing special. Um, Hassan Haskins usually returns kicks. He's their third string running back, a rookie out of Michigan, a uh, fine player. But, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess they'll try to take advantage of it. It's funny, you and Brandon both, when Brandon and five questions that I did with him, mentioned that about the special teams and how bad it's been. I didn't, I didn't have any idea. It's almost that. cost so, them some games. It's been it's yeah. been shockingly bad. That's crazy. So, hey, maybe that's a place the Titans can can pick up some, some you know, kind of cheap yards and, yeah. and not have to have as long of a drive. Uh, as far as kicker thing goes, yeah, I, we really don't know at this point what's going to happen. So, Caleb Shudak, uh, the rookie out of Iowa who kicked against the Bengals, uh, missed a field goal. It was a really windy day, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, he, he was a rookie making his NFL debut in that game. He got hurt at some point, either in camp or OTAs. I can't remember. But they kept him on the roster the whole time. Uh, you know, he was on PUP or whatever. Um, and so I guess he came back to practice, I guess, last week. And they, and they, they signed him to the 53-man roster last week. Now, Randy Bullock hurt himself in warm-ups uh, in the Denver game. Hasn't played since then. Now, he was full participant yesterday. Seems like he's trending towards being available. So then, yeah, they're going to have to make a decision. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I can't imagine they're going to keep two kickers on the 53-man roster even for this week. Maybe they will. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. But um, the, Bullock has been okay for this team. I mean, nothing nothing real special, nothing real bad either. Um, he's made most of the kicks that he should have made. He did miss a, a, a kick that would have won the game week one against the Giants. But like I said, overall, he's been fine. So, I mean, I guess it's just a matter of if they think Shudak has it, um, they may want to hang on to him and not risk, you know, cutting him and having another team pick him up. But, yeah, I mean, as we sit here on Thursday afternoon, I really don't know what they're going to do. Our last thing for you here, the Titans uh, are looking for their first win against a team that has a winning record when they play them. Uh, they had, they beat the Commanders earlier in the year. The Commanders have a winning record right now, but the Commanders uh, were in the midst of uh, their losing streak uh, earlier in the season and did not have a winning record uh, when, when they played the Eagles. So um, they narrowly lost to the Giants in Week 1, as you mentioned. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, barely beat them in Week 9, but uh, they lost pretty bad to the Buffalo Bills here in Week 2. So is this a measuring stick game? And if so, how do you see this shaking out on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is. Like you said, the Titans have, have failed in all those games so far to this point. Um, now, I will say that, I mean, the Kansas City game, it, you know, Mike Barber said after the game, there are no moral victories in the NFL. That's certainly true. But the, the fact that they had to force that game to over, that they were able to force that game to overtime with with Malik Willis playing quarterback, uh, with the referees giving Tyreek Hill or uh, giving Travis Kelsey a, a penalty on the goal line where he ripped the Titans defensive backs helmet off and they called passing for the Titans. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, they, they've, they've been, no, they got boat raced by the Bills too, but in, in the games against the good teams, they have lost them, but they have been competitive. You know, they lost to the, to the Bengals 20 to 16 this past week. Um, and it looked like they were going to get the ball back. There was a penalty on a, on a late field goal that would have given if the, they called the, the Titans were hitting the long snapper. The, they, the, the Bengals had made the field goal. So the Bengals were about to have to kick back to the Titans with just under two minutes left in a 23-16 game. So, I mean, again, they would have had a chance. Office hadn't done a whole lot, so I don't know that anything would have happened there. But um, anyway, all that to say, they've, they've been close in the majority of these games that they've lost. But like I said, I mean, I think this is a team that is – the Titans are a team that's perfectly capable of beating up on bad teams. Um, they're going to win most of the games that they should against those teams. And then it's it's – you know, they're not as good as these teams that are actually Super Bowl contenders. And so I think that's that's where we find ourselves this week, um, a game on the road. Now, again, I didn't give them much of a chance in Kansas City, and they went up there and, and, and took that game to overtime. So, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say. Mike Vrabel gets these guys ready. Um, I will say that, you know, like I said, the, the Bengals hit them in the mouth. And there was a lot of talk after the game from the Bengals about how they had been hearing all week about how the Titans were the more physical team. And that the Bengals, you know, left that game feeling like they were the more physical team, which they were. I guarantee you that has been played this week in that locker room because, again, that's Mike Vrabel's whole thing. So, um, you know, that's some motivation there. I don't know how much that'll matter. Uh, I think I said in the five questions thing, like a 31-21 Eagles win. Um, I, I think it's, again, the Titans can keep close, but I just think ultimately the Eagles are the better team, and I think they'll pull it out in the end. But, I mean, you know, who knows? Hopefully it'll be, hey, hopefully it'll be fun to watch at least, right? 
Well, it should be fun to watch. It should be a close game on on Sunday afternoon. I think uh, it certainly will. Uh, I think it'll go more along the lines of a typical Titans game, uh, you know, much lower scoring game. But uh, we'll see how these two teams duke it out on Sunday afternoon. Hey, to keep up to date on everything going on with the Titans, make sure you check out MusicCityMiracles.com and follow Jimmy Morris on Twitter at JMMorrisMCM. Catch MCM, the MCM Radio podcast. Jimmy, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, well, let's wrap up the podcast. Just taking a look at the schedule for this Sunday afternoon, it really is going to be a great schedule. And the two uh, the two best games in the 1 o'clock window outside of the Eagles uh, and the and the Titans, you have the 7-4 and four Jets traveling to Minnesota to take on the 9-2 and two Vikings. Eagles fans, we are obviously rooting very hard for the Jets here in this one. The Vikings, of course, challenging the Eagles for the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, would be a big win for the Jets. I'm not expecting New York to go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings, but I do think the Vikings are not quite as good as their 9-2 and record, although your record is what it is. And uh, the Jets have been a very tough team this year. They are having issues at the quarterback spot. Offensively, they are a little bit challenged, but defensively, they have a chance to shut down Minnesota. So that should be a very entertaining game. We're obviously pulling very hard for the Jets. So big rooting interests in that one. The interesting NFC game at 1 o'clock, the Commanders against the Giants. Both teams at 7-5. and five. The Commanders come into this week against the Giants surging having won three in a row. They haven't looked great winning three in a row, but except for that game against the Eagles where they looked very good. Uh, but the Giants are stumbling now. And I think most people are looking at this New York team and seeing a team that is reeling now on their back feet. And we kind of knew that the Giants weren't quite as good as their record indicated they were. We're starting to see that now. We're starting to see some of the wrinkles in Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley is starting to lose a little bit of gas here as the season moves along. That's to be expected. You have to tip your hat to what the Giants have been doing this year. And at home, you know, the Giants certainly have a chance to to beat the Commanders. The Commanders with Taylor Heineke and, and versus Daniel Jones. I don't know who has the quarterback advantage in this one. So I think this will be a very close game. I think it will be a very ugly game to teams who really have an identity trying to play ball control and run the ball. You're not going to see a lot of stuff in the air in this game. So it's kind of an old school NFC East battle. These are not the marquee franchises they once were, but both teams with winning records, seven and five coming into this game. Certainly if you're an Eagles fan, I think you want, who do you want to win this game? The Eagles have split with the commanders. They have yet to play the Giants. So I guess maybe you want the commanders to win this game to knock the Giants down a peg so that when the Eagles play the Giants, maybe those games don't mean quite as much? I don't know. It's a tough one to call. I think you're probably rooting for the Commanders here, but uh, if you if you, if you you believe that the Commanders are more of a threat than the Giants, then you're probably rooting for the Giants in this one. But for me, it's a coin flip. I'm not sure exactly which one you're rooting for here in this one. Two games in the 4 o'clock window. You have the 8-3 and three Dolphins going up against the 7-4 and four 49ers in San Francisco. Should be another great game. Uh, the, these two teams have a long history with each other. They're Super Bowl 19, but they've also matched up numerous times over the years in some big matchups. Uh, you have to like the 49ers in this one, I think. Miami's playing really well this year, but going into San Francisco, taking on a Niners team that really seems to be finding itself. They've got a great defense. They've established an identity. Kyle Shanahan really knows what he's doing. After a, a tough start to the season, the 49ers are 
are, are hitting their stride right now. And with Christian McCaffrey there, the Niners running game has gotten even more explosive. So that should be a good one. You're obviously rooting very hard for the Dolphins in this one if you are an Eagles fan. Anything to knock an NFC contender down a peg or two. And then the other big game in the 4 o'clock window, you have the Chiefs at the Bengals, a rematch of the AFC Championship game last year. The Bengals coming off that big win over the Titans last week. They're 7-4. and four. They're hosting the Chiefs, who are at 9-2. and two. The Chiefs appear to be hitting their stride, catching the wave now as they as they ride an MVP season from Patrick Mahomes to a possible another number one seed. But after the Bills win, uh, the Chiefs on Thursday night, the Chiefs, the pressure's on the Chiefs to win to stay ahead of them in terms of getting that first round by in the playoffs. So uh, that should be a very entertaining game as well, a rematch of an AFC championship game that was all kinds of exciting last year. As far as Eagles versus Titans, I do see the Eagles winning this game. Uh, I think the Eagles have a, a, a better overall roster. I don't know which Eagles team we're going to get, and that's kind of the interesting thing about the Birds is they have a lot of different ways that they can win. They can win through the air. I think they're going to have to do more through the air in this game. The, the Titans' run defense is stout. Now, that hasn't mattered a lot in terms of the Eagles this year, but against the Colts, the Colts had a very good run defense, and the Eagles were not able to do a whole lot in that game, and Jalen Hurts had to win it passing the ball in that uh, in the, in the, uh, the touchdown drive where they got it to within six points. Um, or maybe it was, I don't think it within three points or six points. I, I'm not remembering. But uh, when they made it a one-score game, Jalen Hurts had to throw the football. And I think I think Hurts is going to have to do a little bit more through the air. They're not going to rush for over 300 yards against the Titans this week. Uh, the, the Bengals did bully them around, as you heard Jimmy mention just a minute ago. So it might have just been a one-week aberration for the Titans' defense. But uh, I, think you, I don't think you can count on the Eagles putting up 200 yards of rushing offense. I don't think you can count on Jalen Hurts rushing for over 100 yards. This feels like a game where A.J. Brown is going to be hyped. He's going to want the ball. He's going to want to make big plays. He's got to hold on to the ball. I'm not worried about A.J. Brown being a chronic fumbler at this point. I know he's lost two fumbles in his last two games, but that's not a big concern for me. I do think A.J. is going to want to have a very big game and will do everything he can to make sure Jalen Hurts gets him the ball in this one. They're going to miss Dallas Goddard, of course, but look for more Quez Watkins. Hopefully, Devontae Smith can also uh, do a little bit more in this game. It's not his fault, obviously. He's not getting targeted a ton, but... Uh, he is making some some big plays and some big moments, and it's going to be up to these wide receivers, I think, and Jalen Hurts to make the plays to score points in this one. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. I have the Eagles winning this game 24-21. to All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks again to Jimmy Morris for jumping on and uh, talking about this game with me. Don't forget BleedingGreenNation.com. Hit it up every single day for the latest news, notes, and rumors about your Philadelphia Eagles. And again, leave a rating and a review for Eye on the Enemy on Apple Podcasts, and I'd love to read your review next week here on the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. 
Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.